Imagine if medicine actually looked at you as a whole, opposed to looking at you as a bunch of separate systems. Dive into Integrative Wellness Radio with Dr. Nick and Dr. Nicole to learn more about the top trends in integrative medicine, to learn about what the limitations are with testing and what you can do to start your health journey. So obviously all of these different factors when it comes to diet and prenatals play obviously a very big role in immune system development. But what I would say is the biggest factor that has to be considered is the birthing process. Um, Cause this is something that I think women hear like a little bit here and there, they hear that, you know, if you could try to avoid a C-section, you know, do that. If you can try um, breastfeeding is good, but I think a lot of women don't really know more detail other than that is like, this is good. If you can do it, if you can't do it, that's okay too. So I'm actually curious, like with your knowledge around, you know, everything from the birthing process to like thoughts on C-section to thoughts on breast versus bottle, like what's in your knowledge base right now, based on the research you've done. So in full transparency, um, a lot of like my decisions regarding, um, my birthing plan and what I plan on doing in regards to breastfeeding and stuff. I haven't really done research. I've really tapped into like, how is this going to make me feel? Yeah. And, um, if there's anything I learned in just my conceiving journey, it's like, I really have no control over any of this. So just surrender to what is supposed to happen. So I would love to go in and naturally give birth to a baby without an epidural and yeah. Um, I would prefer to deliver vaginally, but also know that um, and trust that if my baby needs to be taken out through a C-section, like that's fine, like mm -hmm. let it be. Um, and then in regards to um, breastfeeding, breastfeeding itself um, does not feel good to me, mm -hmm. but I also want my to provide my baby with my breast milk. Um, so what feels good right now is pumping exclusively so that the baby does get the breast milk, but that I, it won't be like physically latching onto me and, or that I don't have to be the only one feeding it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I, I think what you said is huge because even as we navigate the conversation around, you know, um, post birth and, you know, how to start making medical decisions for our child is we have to, we have to do what is best based on our value system that really keeps us away from fear-based decisions. So if you are in a place of doing something that scares you, you know, it's, it's okay if something scares you and because it's uncomfortable and it's unknown, but it's like, you know, that it's the best decision for you. But it's another thing if you're just in actual fear of that decision or that possibility or that outcome. Right. So we always have to make decisions based off of what feels the best to us. So like a lot of people have said to me, they're like, I'm doing a home birth. And they're like, I can't believe you're doing a home birth. Like, I, I just can't believe you're like opting out of the possibility of an epidural. You're opting out of all of these things. And for me, I have more fear 
around the a hospital setting. And it's primarily because I do what I do for a living because I never wanted to work in a hospital. It doesn't feel good to me. For me to be that in that environment in one of the most vulnerable moments of my life is not something that I'm willing to do. Secondary to that is there are certain interventions that I don't feel is best for me or my baby. And that's everything from Pitocin um, to C-section to um, drops in my baby's eyes and things like that. So I know the reality that hospitals follow protocol and that if I'm in a long labor and there's turnover of nurses and I'm starting to get out of it, that I can't keep repeating myself because I'm not going to maybe have the energy for it to say, I just want to remind you guys, I don't want that or I don't want that. So for me, a home birth is exactly what is right for me. And I don't have fear around it. If I get exhausted and I need to go to a hospital, so be it. That's fine. But I, I'm going to be a lot more comfortable in that environment. There are most women that are scared shitless about the idea of having a home birth. And like, don't do a home birth then. Like you have to do what feels good to you. So I think that that's a really important point to drive home is that, you know, our birth shouldn't look the same. And what I'm saying about what I'm doing isn't the gold standard by any means. Absolutely. It feels right for you. And like, uh, there's parts of what feel good for you that totally resonate with me. Like, I don't want to be induced, like trusting that the baby will come when it's time and naturally and um, not putting stress on the unnecessary stress on the baby and stuff like that. But a home birth, I'm definitely one of those women that is like home birth scares me. <laughs> um, yeah. I definitely want it to be like, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky. I have a very near and dear friend who is a labor and delivery nurse at mm-hmm. the hospital that I'm delivering at. And um, she's actually known as like the hippie dippy nurse. (laughs) She's very like, and one of the things about a home birth that I know I need to go in there and advocate for is like, I don't want to be on my back. Mm -hmm. And I know that that's like a position that is very traditional. And um, if that's not the position that is ideal for my my baby to exit out of my pelvic floor, then I don't want to be in it. Like I will bring my pregnancy ball with me and do whatever I have to do to be in a position that will hopefully allow my baby to come with these. So there definitely are things that like, um, I'm thinking about already in regards to like the hospital setting and, and understanding that I will have to advocate for myself there and some things that don't feel good to me and um you know I my husband and I talk about this a lot so I'm like you have to remember all this stuff because if I'm in pain and like can't speak you need to be our voice (laughs) a hundred percent a hundred percent but you know when it goes back to really the immunity part of it is you know, being able to um, really try depending on your, your body's ability and depending on, you know, your level of risk is 
going through the actual vaginal tract opposed to a C-section is something that is massively important for the immune system. And the reason being is it's really two parts is one is the baby going through that really small space is actually squeezing out excess amniotic fluid from different cavities of the body. So being able to excrete out that excess fluid is very beneficial for just the organs um, in, in general. And then secondary to that is going through the vaginal tract is the massive exposure to a bold combination of probiotics, so good bacteria, but also, you know, bad bacteria. Um, really there's a need for those types of bacteria because they are something that is going to get the immune system to respond. And if the immune system responds, then we start to build a memory bank in that immune system, which then protects us in the future. So that is one of the major benefits when it comes to going through the vaginal tract. But I do know that there are alternatives. So some uh, individuals, depending on, you know, your doula, midwife, doctor, you know, whomever you're working very closely with, and depending on their skill set and knowledge base, is that I know that there are certain individuals that if a C-section ends up being necessary, that they will actually take swabs from the vaginal tract and um, put that on the baby to create that similar response. So there are ways to go about it, even despite not being able to have that, that vaginal birth. This is amazing information. I'm so yes. glad that I just learned something. <laughs> Yeah. So that, that's definitely something to, for women to keep in mind is it's not that you just, there's always a way to work around it, I guess is the key is like, it's not just doing away with the idea of like, oh, it was a C-section. So, you know, everything went down the tubes. It, there, there are ways to kind of bridge that gap, but it's really having people on your team that are knowledgeable in these things. So that's really key. Um, so that's really one element that's so important for the immune system. And then there's also going to be elements that are coming more from like the neurological and energetic piece and not to like get weird and woo woo on individuals. But, um, when you are able to have your baby and have that skin to skin, you're creating a massive energetic connection. You're also going to be stimulating aspects of the neurological system, which then in turn is going to actually have a lot of benefit fits on the immune system. So that skin to skin is really important. And I know depending on um, circumstances, if there's any type of emergencies, and then also depending on the protocols of the hospital, sometimes that baby goes directly to mom, and sometimes that baby gets taken elsewhere. Um, so women should really try to advocate for like, I want to have that skin to skin immediately, because it's way beyond I just want to hold my new baby. There are actual benefits to it when it comes to the health and wellness of the baby as well. Yeah, I, I feel that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the breastfeeding piece. <clears throat> so it's kind of interesting because breastfeeding is just thought like you, everybody should breastfeed and breastfeeding is the best thing for your baby. Um, not to totally horrify people that are listening or even yourself is that, um, the unfortunate reality about this is that we are all pretty toxic and it's not, we're, we're not doing it intentionally, but 
once you know what I know, <laughs> there is a, a constant slew of toxins we are all being exposed to since we are born. And by the time, you know, we get into our thirties, forties, et cetera. And, you know, we're, we're then embarking on having children is that unless you have been knowledgeable and you've grown up with a, you know, holistic family that advocated for detox, chances are we have some level of crap in our bodies. And that's everything from, you know, pesticides to chemicals that are in plastics, you know, to the chemicals that are in perfumes. Like we've all used this stuff. There's nothing to feel bad or guilty about. But I find that some women that are unaware that that is a possibility, they get very distraught because they're having a lot of trouble with breastfeeding, but their baby is having a bad reaction to their breast milk. And you will pass certain toxins through your breast milk. So when women are like, intuitively, I don't feel like this is right for me or intuitively, I don't feel like this is right for my baby, like honor that because it might be your body signaling saying like, this isn't great, but I will say, and this might be a great solution for you because you're saying like, I kind of want to have that balance. Um, but again, maybe this being on your radar is it's your body intuitively saying like, Hey, maybe your breast milk might not be as pure as you think. And that's why you want to do a blend of maybe bottle and and breast. Um, but high dose chlorella, chlorella is very safe to take while you're pregnant. It's very safe to take, um, while you're breastfeeding, but chlorella is, um, it's, it's algae and it's a pure, it's a blood purifier. So this is something that has actually worked really well in purifying the breast milk that women produce more and their baby stops having reactions to the breast milk. Wow. Yeah. You know, as I've been thinking about, okay, do I want to breastfeed? Do I want to pump? Do I want a formula feed? My initial thing was like, oh, well, if I breastfeed and, you know, my baby will be getting nutrients through me, not once thinking, and I'm fully aware of like how we absorb toxins throughout our whole life and stuff. And I've over the last couple of years have tried to like really switch a lot of the products that I use in my household Mm -hmm. to like more cleaner, safer, safer things. But um, not once did that even cross my mind that like toxins can be spread through my breast milk. Wow. Yeah. It's definitely, it's more common than people realize Um, but also too, I'm glad you just said that about the personal products, because I get that comment all the time is how did you find toxins in my system? I stopped, I I swapped all my personal products, my deodorant, my shampoos, my conditioners. I'm like, how long ago did you switch it? They're like a year ago. I go, you're 45. You've been using the other crap for 44 years. years. <laughs> like it didn't go away. Like yeah. it's still. I mean, system. I switched it about four years ago, but I'm about yeah. to be 33. So for 20, uh, 28 years, 30, yeah. 29 years, I was using toxic. Oh yeah, and then in we fact, I breathe in toxins probably every single day in like my work environment. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny because I think back. I'm like, oh, you know, all the. I don't know, Maybelline and Revlon, all those like, you know, the, the Mm -hmm. pharmacy, um, makeup that you learn about later and all the chemicals in it. And I'm like, I was a perfume queen. I sprayed that right on my skin, you know, body works all all day, every day. (laughs) A hundred percent. Yeah. What was it like? Cucumber melon scent. Yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> do you know 100%. how to breathe or something? I actually just saw like, I, I don't, I'm not on TikTok, but I'm on Instagram and somebody recently mm-hmm. posted like a TikTok of that, of like all the Bath and Body Works scents and like you're oh, from yeah. the 90s if you know these scents. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> I know all of them. <laughs> Uh, All right. So as we kind of segue into the last part of the conversation today is, you know, we, one of your biggest question was around, um, you know, vaccinations. And um, again, this is a very sensitive subject, especially the, you know, the, where the world is at right now. But um, I think a couple of things that people just need to understand about this is that First of all, number one is when, you know, you and I were kids, um, you know, if you're in your thirties or older, the things looked a little bit different in how vaccines were administered. So, you know, we're talking a lot, a lot less. Um, We are, the numbers have, uh, I don't even want to say doubled. I think they've actually quadrupled in the past few years with how much is being required um, even before the age of five. So we're talking about a lot of shots in a very short amount of time. Um, But this is something that's really key that I've learned through my years um, is that number one, the immune system is not fully developed until age of one. So most of the shots that are being administered before the age of one are not actually overly effective because the elements or the aspects of the immune system that would induce the reaction against the vaccine to create that immunity and create that antibody response, that part of the immune system is actually not developed yet. So that's just one consideration. Um, That's not my opinion. That is physiology. Um, This is something that can actually be looked up um, and looking at the immunology before the age of one. So that's just one thing to consider is, are you administering something that you're getting benefit out of? You know, are you, because that's the whole point. The whole point is let me administer this to then create immunity, which will then create protection. Um, you know, are we creating a false reality around that protection? Like, are we truly creating immunity or are we creating more of a mental ease? So that's really the key thing. And and that goes back to my point that I said before, is that if you are that individual that you're going to be so terrified of your kid going to daycare and terrified of your, your, um, mom or dad holding the baby because you're terrified that that baby is going to get exposed to different things and be sick. Like you have to be able to bridge that gap with your own mental health and your own fears, because unfortunately people can think this sounds crazy, but your fear as the mother will translate to that child. It's like, you're very connected, you're holding that baby constantly, that baby a hundred percent can feel your fear and fear will drive down the immune system. So then all your fears will come true that you have the sick baby that always has the ear infections and the respiratory and so on and so forth. So you have to understand that as a mother, you do affect your child pretty tremendously. Um, and it's not just because of your breast milk, it's based off of where are you at mentally and emotionally as well. So you, you gotta be able to weigh that out. But, you know, for myself is like, people are like, wow. So like, you don't really fear that. And I'm like, 
I don't, but I also have, I have a, a toolbox that not a lot of people have. So if my kid got sick tomorrow, I know that I have different therapies and tools in my office that will deal with it. And the baby will probably recover within about 24 to 48 hours. So it, your fears are valid. Anybody who's like has those fears, it's valid because you probably are working out of a limited knowledge base and a limited toolbox. And that is not your fault. It's because the primary solution, especially for children, is antibiotic, antibiotic, antibiotic. And you start to get to this point that you're just like, what else? Like, how is there nothing else that I can do for this child other than put them on an antibiotic? And like, and then of course, as a mother, you're like, well, I want to prevent that. I don't want them to go on antibiotics. I don't want them to be the sick kid. So you're the way that we've been programmed is, well, you need to create that immunity. The only way to create the immunity is through vaccination. And secondary to that is if your kid does get sick, your only option is to go to the pediatrician and get some type of pharmaceutical drug, antibiotics being the most common. And really the point is, is that that, that is what we've been told, but that is not the reality. The reality is, is that there are so many different ways that you can go about helping your baby's immune system so that you don't have to rely on either one of those avenues. And the other thing too, is you have to think about the fact that too much of anything has its own drawbacks. If you fed your kid too much broccoli, it's going to have its drawbacks, even though broccoli is good. <laughs> so it's the same thing goes for compacting or compounding a variety of shots in a very short amount of time is, is your baby's immune system rebounded enough by the time the next introduction comes in? So we have to consider all of these different factors of are we working with an immune system that is actually going to have a good response or are we working with an immune system that is fragile? And some of the examples around that is, was your child premature? Did your child end up in the NICU after birth? Like, you know, was there any type of major complications? Did you have preeclampsia? Did you have gestational diabetes? Like these are things that are kind of red flags to say, hey, this baby might need a little bit more time to get the immune system at its best before we introduce anything that is going to be trying to create an immune response. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. And so much of what you're saying is resonating in regards to like antibiotics being like the fix. Um, and again, this is just my experience, my perspective. I understand everybody is, um, you know, uh, has the right to feel how they feel. I just, from my childhood and just from what I observe, it's like, I just feel like antibiotics are quick fix. Like, let's get this fixed. And it just like, how many times, like I think about myself, like how many times I got struck throat as, as a kid and how much amoxicillin I was on and just like, why can I not? And like, I saw this on your, your Instagram or your website about like getting to the root cause. And like, that spoke so deeply to me. Cause I'm like, let's, like, this can't always be the answer. Like, what? why is this happening, you know? And um, so, yeah, so with that, and 
developing that immunity, I guess, to have the immune system be in a place to receive, I think Mm -hmm. if if I'm saying that correctly, around the age of one, at that point, um, is it common then to get the vaccines at one and and wait? Or like, how does that work? Or is it just like you just build the immunity from ages zero to one, and then that immunity in itself is enough to carry the baby through? Yeah, I would say overall is, you know, you have the ability to decide on some type of an extended schedule while working with your pediatrician. So, you know, all of those things are kind of up for discussion and negotiation uh, when, you know, depending on the the pediatrician that you're working with. Um, But I really advocate for any mother, father to really look at the vaccines and look at what's called the package insert. You know, if you type in a vaccine and you type in package insert, it will actually tell you more about the mechanisms. It will tell you about the ingredients. It will also tell you about the um, potential side effects because you would assume that mo- that your practitioner is going to be well-versed in all of the contents of that package insert. Um, but very often they're not. And there is definitely some issues with uh, certain shots that shouldn't be administered in combination with others, so on and so forth. Um, so that's like one thing is that I really recommend for people to do that research okay. because if you have a child who has any type of um, neurological issues and, you know, you're noticing they're not developing um they're not developing at, a, at, at the average rate, or you're noticing they don't make eye contact, or you're noticing that they're not crawling or walking at certain times, is that you, you have to kind of know that there might be something that is inhibiting that progress and that development. And if you then are looking at certain shots that one of their additives is um, thimerosal, which is mercury, or I'm sorry, aluminum. And then you're also looking at, um, mer- well, so mercury and aluminum are, are both going to be ingredients in certain shots is that when you look at the toxicology reports of those, those are neurotoxic, you know, so is that the best thing for you to be doing at that moment, if you're already seeing developmental delays, and that's really your choice. If you say, well, you know, if I rather my kid never have mumps, and that's going to be more of a priority for me, than um, then, then maybe, altering the development through these chemicals going into the body. So like, that's really up to the discretion of the parent. Um, you know, for me, it's like, I personally had my own journey of detoxing from mercury that took me years and it wasn't just from vaccines. I'm sure that that was part of the issue. Um, but secondary to that was, I was big with eating fish and sushi and, you know, uh, canned tuna growing up thinking I was healthy and, it took many, many years for me to detox from mercury. And then I also realized how that negatively impacted my brain, my mood, and my ability to even be a good student, which was one of my highest values. So there's definitely things that we need to understand are not overly black and white. Um, and I think if this pandemic taught us anything is we really do have to do the research because the research is not in our faces 
And we are not necessarily always being given information through our practitioner that's saying like, here's the pros, but here's the cons. It's usually like, here are the pros. You better do this because there's a lot of pros. Um, And very often, if you say, is there any cons to it? They're like, no. And that's based on their training. So, um, so we all know that everything has pros and cons. Like I said, eating broccoli has pros and cons. So for us to say that every single medical procedure is safe and effective and that there is very little cons to most medical procedures, like that's false. That is, that is not truth by any means. Um, and the last thing that we would ever want is for moms to learn that the hard way. Mm-hmm. Um, is to say, you know, I followed the schedule because I thought everything was safe and effective. And then um, my child stopped speaking at two years old, um, which is a very, very common thing that I hear. And that is when we often see um, the MMR shot um, that creates a massive jarring effect to the body, um, not in every child, but in some. So, um, so we really need to always kind of know that there is pros and cons and it's a matter of looking at your child and really understanding where is your child at from a neurological perspective, from a developmental perspective, from an immune system perspective, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're not willing to say like, oh, my kids had chronic ear infections, chronic strep has been in the hospital for, you know, respiratory issues and also is having developmental issues you know, all of those factors, you need to say like, okay, what, what am I doing? That's creating such a burden on this immune system. Like, how do I get this immune system to work better so that I don't create more harm? Right. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's a total loaded conversation, but, um, the last thing that I just want to mention in this realm is that the other thing a lot of people don't know about the current, um, vaccination schedule is that, a lot of vaccines are combo vaccines, combination meaning. So um, like MMR is a perfect example. So that's mumps, uh, measles, and rubella. Um, DTAP or DTP is going to be diphtheria, tetanus, and pertussis. So there's a lot of these combinations that sometimes going into the body of a little one is just a lot. It's a lot in that time. And that is another aspect is just understanding that very often when we see any type of setback or reaction, um, or even a spiking of a fever after a shot, it's very often coming from those combination shots. So we kind of need to be able to know that if you're doing um, multiple combination shots in one day, that could be very burdensome to the individual as well. Yeah. Yeah. And Last but not least is look at the schedule. Um, you can Google it. Just Google yeah, you know, vaccine schedule. Yeah. And when you look at it, and you can also look at it now and then also what it was even 10 years ago. And that's when you're able to see like, whoa, like this is a huge difference. And why is this so much more abundant than it used to be? And why are you know kids getting shots for STDs um, as infants? Yeah, those are a lot of my questions. So, <laughs> uh, and I look forward to doing some more research and doing that. Like, what did you say? Package insert. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's the package insert's very eye-opening when you're able to see 
the very specific ingredients as well. Um, and then if you, you'll re you can research each ingredient on its own, um, and you'll be able to see that some of these ingredients, you know, um, have skull and crossbones next to them as, you know, toxins. So it's just like, we can say, oh, in a small dose, it's no big deal, but would you give your baby a small dose of rat poison and say, oh, it's no big deal? No, you probably wouldn't do it. You would actually go to jail. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, in fact, I was researching one of them. It was like formaldehyde. I'm like, yeah, what? <laughs> um, but anyways, I guess my my last question for you is: so at um, Integrative um, group yeah. Wellness Group, I was gonna say Group Wellness. I'm like, that doesn't sound right. Um, <laughs> you guys work with babies and 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 toddlers. Yeah. So we work with a lot of kids. Um, we tend to work with a lot of families uh, okay. just because. Usually mom makes her way in and then brings the kids in and then they drag husband in <laughs> kicking and screaming, <laughs> kicking and screaming. And then he loves it. Um, that's the most common pattern we see. But, um, but yeah, we actually work with uh, a lot of different kids and obviously every kid is different in the capacity that we work with them. But, you know, even as an example, sometimes kids come in and, you know, they're, they're sick, they're fighting something off and we have chiropractors on staff. Sometimes a chiropractic adjustment is just what they need in order to get their little lymph nodes draining and, um, chiropractic actually boosts the immune system. So that sometimes alone is what the fix is. And then other times we're introducing, you know, supplements like liquid, you know, vitamin C or liquid herbs that are helping with the immune system in that capacity. Um, and then we also have some really amazing non-invasive uh, technologies that are amazing for kids. So an example is we have a technology, it's called an amp coil. It's literally a coil. The kid sits there with the coil sitting on their belly and there's an immune boosting protocol and it takes about 20 minutes for the protocol to run and you press go, they get to sit there. We have little movies running in the back in our little detox spa area and they get to watch a movie as the machine does the work. Um, but what it does is it sends in frequencies into the body that upregulates the immune system. So we'll find sometimes that's the best alternative to a kid that is either currently sick or just mom's trying to prevent them from getting sick. Um, so there's a lot of really cool things, uh, that we do. And then in the event that we're working with a kid that, you know, ends up having certain toxins, um, one of the things that the kids love is our ionized foot baths. So we have like a little kid chair and again, they get to watch a movie and they put their feet in the water and the water turns different colors as it pulls toxins out. And they're like, Oh my God, this is so cool. Um, but that's actually the company that, uh, created the foot bath. They've done a ton of research on kids with ADD, um, autism and Asperger's, and they've seen dramatic, dramatic results in their case studies, um, with these kids having a massive reduction in symptoms just by doing the foot baths. So, yeah, so there's some cool stuff. So we love working with the kids that mom and dad are just trying to like, prevent and keep them healthy and use more like holistic alternatives. So they're being like more proactive than reactive. But of course we do work with kids on the other end of the spectrum, kids that have already developed something from ADD to autism, to Asperger's, to um, other types of neurological conditions. And we have great success with that, but of course it takes more time. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I'm yeah. like very, I, I'm going to set up my uh, discovery call uh, very soon. And I'm very curious to have like yeah. a test done to see like what toxins are in my body because I'm sure there's there's plenty. <laughs> some, hey, join the club. <laughs> some natural changes that I've made over the last few years, but um, I know that there's buildup of stuff within me. And um, wow, this was such a great conversation. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course, of course. So to all of our listeners, I hope this was really helpful. Um, you know, I was excited to bring on Tara just because you know, I knew that her questions were questions that a lot of you have probably have because they're just very real raw questions around this topic. And, you know, we're really scratching the surface getting into this because there's, there's obviously so many different ways that we can go, but I hope this was um, something that at least provided a foundation of knowledge and really gets you all to start being more proactive in, in researching and being your own advocate. Because again, you know, those of you that know me and listen to our other content is this is not about doing what I do. This is not about, you know, being, uh, you know, like adhering to a belief system. This is really just about, you have to do what's right for you. But of course you want to be able to know how to navigate the sea of information and know, you know, I think the biggest value I can bring is like, I see real life people all the time. And I see, I, I see the things that don't match the textbook and don't match the peer reviewed articles. Um, so that's really where I try to speak from is these are the things that I see in real life. And this is, you know, one thing to consider when you're navigating all of this information. So, but I thank you for being here. I hope this was helpful. And um, I guess we'll talk to you on your discovery call. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate your time and allowing me to be on this. I learned so much from you. <laughs> awesome. Well, I will talk to you soon. And thank you to all of our viewers. Uh, I'll see you guys soon. We thank you for being a listener and subscriber to Integrative Wellness Radio. If you're looking to learn more about Integrative Wellness Group, as well as Dr. Nick or Dr. Nicole, you can check out integrativewellnessgroup.com.